0: I'm excited that you are here today in person and online. Are you excited to be here? Yes, Lord. Take your Bibles and open to 1 Corinthians. You'll find 1 Corinthians after the book of Romans. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. I'm going to read in a moment. I'm going to read verses 1 through verse 13, but we're going to hone in on verse 12. And verse 13. Next Sunday, somebody say next Sunday. Yeah, October the 31st. I am excited to announce that I will be making an exciting announcement next Sunday. I'm so excited about it that I'm announcing that I'm excited about announcing this exciting announcement. So you don't want to miss it next Sunday. So as you think about who you saw in Life Group today, who you didn't see in Life Group today, make some calls and get the word out that I'm excited about this announcement. And I know you will be too. So that will come next Sunday. I'm also excited about today in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through verse 13. And I want to speak to you on this subject. What the devil says when you say, I do. When you stand there with your beloved on that day that you're married and you say, I do. What are you really saying and what does the devil say once you say, I do. Soon after Adam and Eve said, I do, Satan came along, the serpent came along and had something to say. Or had to say something. And what he says, he always says and it's what he'll always say. So think with me what we're really saying when we say, I do. When when you and I say, I do, what we're saying is, I desire to be holy. God gave us marriage to keep us holy. And so when you say, I do, what you're really saying is, I desire to be holy. And then Satan whispers to you, but you deserve to be happy, right? Right? And then when we say, I do, what we're saying is, I desire to serve. I want to serve my spouse. I desire to do that. But then Satan whispers to us, but you deserve to be served. Right? And when we say, I do, what we're saying is, I desire accountability. But Satan comes along and says, well, you deserve no accountability. And when we say, I do, what we're saying is, uh, ladies, you're saying, I I desire to submit to and, and help him. And Satan comes along and says, well, you deserve to lead him. And then, fellows, when we say I do, what we're saying is, I desire to lead her and to love her. And Satan comes along and says, well, you deserve to lord it over her. And when we say I do, what we're saying is, it's not about me. And then Satan says, well, it's all about you. And we say, it's, not, it's all about God. And Satan says, no, it's about you being your own God. He says the opposite of what the Word says. So men and women boys and girls brothers and sisters husbands and wives marrieds and unmarrieds moms and dads daughters and sons and braves and astros and bow hunters and crossbow hunters and in-person worshipers and online worshipers and trick or treaters and trick uh, and trunk or treaters and candy corn eaters and pumpkin spice drinkers the devil is hungry And you are on the menu. And Satan doesn't play fair. He doesn't fight fair. He's not going to give you a break. He's resilient. He, he, He is deceiving. He's diabolical. In fact, he's a diabolical liar. And he loves to hate you. He loves to hate you. And he loves to hate me. So, you and your family need to understand you're in the crosshairs, and Satan has his finger on the trigger. So, what are we to do when temptation comes? What are we to do when we're tempted to lash out in anger? What are we to do when we're tempted to hit sin or post? What are we to do when we're tempted to watch porn? What are we to do when we're tempted to accept a friend request from an ex? or go spend time with a person of the opposite sex? What are we to do when this temptation comes to engage in an affair or to chase after materialism? What are we to do when temptation comes and we're tempted to flirt with sin rather than flee from sin? What happens when we're tempted to end the marriage due to unmet expectations? What are we to do when we're tempted to drown out our sorrows with Alcohol or drugs or this or that what are we to do when temptation comes well 1st Corinthians 10 is a help for us today I'm going to start reading in verse 1 verse 12 and 13 will be on your screen but I want to give you some context before we get to 12 and 13 so you, you follow along as I read verses 1 through 11 so here we go 1st Corinthians 10 if you're there say I'm there All right, here we go. Look look at this. For I want you to know, brothers, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers, these are the forefathers, these are the Israelites, the Old Testament Israelites, okay, Uh, that our fathers were all under the cloud, the pillar of cloud, and all passed through the sea. Remember, they left Egypt and guided by fire and by the pillar of cloud and crossed the Red Sea and Verse 2, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Meaning they were unified together, one people. Verse 3, and all ate the same spiritual food, the manna from heaven. Remember in the wilderness? And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. So they had all these blessings of the Lord, right? But look at this. Nevertheless... Verse 5, when most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. In other words, they gave in to temptation in the wilderness. All right, verse 6. Now these things took place as examples for us. Somebody say example. Yes, these are given as examples for you and for me, that we might not desire evil as they did. Verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. You can read about that in Numbers 21 where the snakes came into the camp and bit them and anybody that was bitten would die unless they looked to the snake on the pole. Verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Look at verse 12. Here we go. These are the two verses we'll camp out in. Verse 12, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest... He fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We pray that we'll receive it and we'll respond to it in a way that pleases you in jesus name everybody said all right let me give you four w's four wins over temptation number one way to win over temptation you got to get over yourself number one (laughs) you've got to get over you i've got to get over me we've got to get over us we got to get over ourselves Uh, let, let me ask you this rhetorical question are you a good person or a bad person Well, apparently there's a theory online that will easily answer this question for all of us. It will easily help us determine if you're a good person or a bad person. And the theory is, it all surrounds what you do with your shopping cart. Do you return the shopping cart to the collection point of the shopping carts? If you do, you're a good person. If you let the cart just drift in the abyss of parking spots, you're a bad person. And the theory is just that. It's a theory. And one of the assumptions for this theory is that returning the cart to the collection is the right thing to do. And so the theory is is explained like this. Uh, if, if you return the cart, you really don't get a reward for that. I mean, unless you're at Aldi's, but is that really, an, is that really a reward? Because didn't you put the coin there in the first place? So you don't really gain anything from returning the cart. And it's not illegal not to return the cart. You're not going to get fined. You're not going to be punished. There's no consequences to not returning the cart. So uh, this theory argues that this is the apex of whether a person is good or bad because whether they're going to do the right thing just to do the right thing right now you ask what about online shopping carts i don't know about online shopping carts because in the greer house the online shopping cart is always full it's always in use we're never not using it so i don't know how to answer that question so whether you're good or bad or think you're good at well, you say well, what if i give my shopping cart to another shopper well you think you're good but you're really bad maybe, but whether you're good or bad and we know that no one's good except God alone the bottom line is Paul tells us here we've got to get over ourselves we have to get over ourselves and this is how Paul says it in verse 12 therefore let anyone that's everyone, that's any and every that's all of us let anyone who thinks that he stands "Mm, take heed lest he fall. So what Paul does, the therefore points us back to the Israelites, points us back to the forefathers, and they were blessed in all these ways. They had God's spiritual food, the manna from heaven, his spiritual drink, the water from the rock. They had been delivered from Egyptian slavery. They had crossed the Red Sea. They had God's guidance. They had God's provision. They had God's protection. They had all these blessings from God, and yet they were overthrown in the wilderness. They gave in to temptation anyway. They gave in. And so Paul uses that, therefore, to then say, because of this reason, because of their example, take heed, lest you fall. Let anyone who thinks that he stands, boy, that's a strong phrase, think that you stand. You're not really standing. On your best day, in fact, I can say it like this, the best among us on The best day of the best among us is as poor as Mephibosheth, who the Bible says was lame in both feet. That's the best we can offer. We don't stand. And if we do stand, and we think we stand, we will soon fall. That means... Avoid overconfidence in yourself. Don't be self confident. Be spirit reliant. Don't depend on you. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Take heed, the Bible says. This is not an ordinary caution. These are red flags everywhere. Warning, warning, warning. Watch out. Beware. Take heed, lest he fall. This is a timeless principle that you can find. We see it in Proverbs 16, 18. Listen to this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Can we trust that? Can we trust what the Scripture says here? Is this true? I think about Peter, Simon, Peter. And I think about Simon. And I think about what he said to Jesus. Though they all will fall away on account of you, Lord Jesus, I will never fall away. And that very day, he fell away. (laughs) The very day he uttered those words, he fell. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You'll deny you even know who I am. Peter said, oh, Lord, I'd never do that. I'm ready to go with you to prison or even to death. I'll never fall away. And immediately that day, he fell away. You see, it's so easy to get caught up into me, myself, and I. And we miss it. Peter said, Lord, I'll never fall away. I'm thinking of Adam and Eve. Eve said, if we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, you will surely die. And then the serpent comes along and said, you will not surely die. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I have prayed for you. Satan seeks to sift you as wheat, and I have prayed for you. Keep praying that you won't succumb to temptation. Peter said, oh, I'll never fall away. He said, watch out. And he said, I'll never fall away. Satan came along and told Peter, you'll never, you won't surely fall away. And boy, did he fall. The Bible says he went away and after after the rooster crowed and Jesus looked at him and he looked at Jesus and and the Bible says he went away and wept bitterly. Oh, church. Some of us think, like Peter, we're Jesus' strongest disciple. In fact, you're the weakest. Peter was the weakest. Peter thought he was the best. He was the worst. He was relying on Peter. I tell you, some of us think we're the best gift to Jesus and his church. You better watch out. I know Satan's saying, you won't surely fall. You better take heed. You may think you're, you're the best thing that ever happened to your spouse, to your family, to your neighborhood, to, to your coworkers, to your employers or your employees. You're, you're the best thing that ever happened. You better take heed lest you fall. Satan is whispering, you shall never fall. Well, you better be careful. Take heed that you will not fall. And here's one way that we get over ourselves. Here's the best way to get over yourself. How do we get over ourselves? Stop being by yourself. You need people. We need one another. We need community. We need accountability. You need to get into that life group. You need to get into that E3 group and stick with it. You need to get to corporate worship and stick with it. That's what you need to do. Don't give up on the local church. Get over yourself. How do we do that? Stop being by yourself. Secondly, we need to get out of our own way. Amen? Some of us can't get out of our own way. I'm a diehard through and through Southern Miss Golden Eagle fan. I am. We're terrible at football. Terrible. But I'm a huge fan. I'm also a Southern Baptist through and through. So when I saw this, on the internet this week, the Southern Miss Golden Negroes are joining the Southern Baptist Convention. I said, boy, that's fantastic, isn't it? Well, that's not SBC Southern Baptist. That's the Southern Belt Conference. I don't know anything about the Southern Belt Conference, but I know that at the national level, the Southern Baptist Convention, we are a hot mess. We got leaders resigning, and we got leaders fussing and griping and suing each other. It's a mess. Why? Because we're broken and we're fallen and we think we're standing, we better take heed lest we fall. We can't get out of our own way. And Paul gives a strong word here in verse number 13 and tells us, you better get out of your own way. And here's how Paul says it. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Now when you hear the word temptation, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking negative. And it can be negative, but the word itself is not negative. The word means test or prove. And the way it's determined if it's negative or positive is how you respond to the temptation. That's what determines whether or not you're going to win over sin or sin's going to win over you. Is how you respond in the moment of temptation. That determines if it's negative or positive. And the Bible is clear here. It says no temptation. No means none, zero, zilch. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Temptation itself is not sin. Okay? Temptation comes when we least expect it. Temptation comes to all of us. It's common to all of us. James says it like this. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full-grown, death. So all of us face temptation. Temptation is common to everybody. And, and, And it's not sin until we act on it, until we... Feed it until we entertain it until we encourage it Jesus was tempted but it wasn't a negative in the, in the wilderness he defeated Satan through the word that was a very positive test he passed the test Oscar Wilde said it like this I can resist anything except temptation another said each temptation leaves us better or worse neutrality is impossible so all temptation, look what it says, all temptation is common to man that there's no temptation that's not common to man all temptation is common because all temptation comes from three distinct and we see it in the garden of Gethsemane we see it in the wilderness three distinctive ways that temptation comes lust of the flesh lure of the world and lies of the devil that's all satan's got he doesn't have any other tricks up his sleeve he's been studying you and me human beings mankind for six thousand years he's been studying us he knows you better than you know yourself and he knows the hook that you will bite is the lust of the flesh, the lure of the world, and the lies of the devil. And that's it. He doesn't have anything else. So we know how he's going to attack. Lust of the flesh, lure of the world, lies of the devil. That's it. We know this. It's no secret. He's done it since the garden and at creation with Adam and Eve. He did it in the wilderness with Jesus. The second Adam, he continues it today with you and with me. And if you say, well, I can't wait till the day until I'll be tempted no more. What you're saying is, I can't wait till the day that I die. Because as long as you're breathing, you're going to be tempted. And temptation comes. It's not going to go away until Jesus comes again. It's coming. It is here. It will not go away. So meantime, you've got to get out of your own way. And you've got to get to a place where you understand First Corinthians ten thirteen, And don't think that your temptation is uncommon. That, oh, woe is me, I'm being tempted in ways that no one's ever been tempted before. Hey, you're not that important. You're not. The temptation you're facing has been faced by myriads of people through the years. And we know this because it's the same thing Jesus, in fact, Jesus, we're told, is able to sympathize with our weakness. Why? Because in every respect, he has been tempted as we are yet without sin. This is how we win. Because Jesus overcame. He overthrew Satan in the wilderness when the forefathers couldn't. They didn't overthrow. They were overthrown. But Jesus overthrew him in the wilderness. So here's what you need to do. Don't fall for what Satan says. Don't fall for this idea that Satan says, hey, you're the only one. If God loved you, he wouldn't let you be the only person in all of human history that's tempted in this way. That's a lie. Yes, yes. The devil hates you, okay? But the devil can't make you sin. The devil did not make you do it. He doesn't make us do it. He takes us to it, but he doesn't make us do it. You can't say the devil made me do it because he, can't. he can take you to it, but he can't make you do it. And we know that because Jesus, he took Jesus to it and Jesus didn't do it. We've got the same power. Through the Holy Spirit present in us and through the Word of God, we can overcome temptation. You can. You can win over sin. Have you sinned? Yes. Will you sin? Yes. Are you a sinner? Of course. We all are. Number three, you must not give up on the Savior. Please don't give up on the Savior. First Corinthians 10.5 says that the forefathers were overthrown in the wilderness. We know that Jesus overthrew the devil and the devil left him. The Bible says in Matthew 4, I love that, the devil left him. I love that. Aren't you ready for the devil to leave you alone? Yes, sir, I know I am. The devil left him. He left him. Don't give up on the one, the one that that Satan had to say, I got to leave him alone. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on the Savior. In fact, here's how Paul says it, verse number 13 God is faithful. God is faithful. It doesn't say man is faithful because we're not. It doesn't say the church is faithful because she's not. God is faithful. God himself, he's the one who is faithful. Faithful is the one who calls you. Faithful is the one who has promised he is faithful. In other words, what this tells me, look at verse 13 and how you have this uh, this almost polarization there. It says that all temptation is common to man, right? Temptation is common to man, But at the same time, the very next sentence says it's controlled by God. So God's in control. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He's faithful in that. God knows you and he knows me better than Satan knows. God, he knows us so well. He he knew us before we were knitted in our mother's womb. He knows you. And he knows me. And he is faithful. Even in the midst of knowing every ugly, wicked corner of your heart, he knows every one of them, and he's faithful to his promises anyway. You know, I believe, now this is a theory, okay, it's not, it's a theory, but I believe the reason our culture is at each other's throats, here's what I believe. I believe that we know, because of social media, that we know each other like we've never known each other before. Social media gives everybody a platform to put every intimate thought they've ever had out for the world to see. And I believe because we know so much more about each other, we're at each other's throats. Now, think about this. God is all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows every evil that is happening at this very second and yet, he's still faithful. I got to tell you something. If God would just give us a glimpse at just a fraction of what he knows, we would all go insane. We'd lose hope like that. Hope would be gone like that. If we knew a fraction of all the evil that's taking place in this world as God knows it, I'm telling we'd all go insane. Every one of us. And God knows it all. And he's still faithful. Somebody needs to shout, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. And he remains faithful. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he knows you and he knows me. Much more than Satan knows you and Satan knows me. And this is very encouraging here, that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. You need to put your faith and trust in the one who is faithful to do that. Because here's what Satan's saying to you right now. That sin you've been struggling with for 20 years. Here's what Satan is whispering to you. That sin is a sin that you cannot overcome. Satan is telling you that sin has your number. That sin is a sin that's even more powerful than God. That's what Satan's saying to you. And you give up. You just give up on the Savior. And you just give in to the sin. Hey, this says God is faithful. Don't you give up on Him. He's faithful. Even when we're fearful, He's faithful. Even when we're doubtful, He's faithful. Even when we're prideful, He's faithful. He's faithful. Don't give up on Him. Last one, number four. You don't have to give in to sin. I think this is going to help somebody. Listen, are you a sinner? Yes. Yes. Have you sinned? Yes. Will you sin? Yes. But you do not have to give in to every single solitary temptation. You don't have to. And here's how the Scripture communicates this. Look at this. But with the temptation, He'll provide the way of escape. So God knows us That he'll not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability. God knew Job. God knew how much Job could take. God knows how much you can take. He knows that. And he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. And when temptation comes, he provides the way out. He does. So you don't have to give in. Say, I don't have to give in. Say it louder. I don't have to give in. That's going to help somebody. You don't have to. I called Tanya on Friday. Tanya told me Friday she was going to rest at home, have a a day at home where she would rest. So midway through the workday I called her and just checking on how her resting was going. When she answered the phone she wasn't at home. She was at the Home Depot. And it started very innocently, of course. She put a couple of flowers and flower pots and as she was doing that she noticed the shrubs. She was going to do the flower, just two flowers in the flower pot and then go rest but then she noticed the shrubs need to be cut back so she cut them back and then she was going to go rest and as she was picking up the shrubs she noticed the mulch was low in the front yard kind of old looking and so she said I'll, I'll go to the backyard get some mulch, pull it up here and then I'll rest and so she did that and while in the backyard she noticed we need, we need a fire pit. So somehow, she ended up at the Home Depot. So she wasn't at home at rest. She was at the Home Depot, and she failed the test, right? You don't have to give in when temptation comes along. You don't have to. And the Bible tells us very clearly here, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. And when we think about escape, you need to picture a, 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 an army that's trapped in, in, a, in the mountains, and the only way out is this narrow passway, and it's the only way to get out. Or picture uh, you at, at, the, at the corn maze. It's, it's fall, so maybe you've been to a corn maze already this fall, and you're walking through the corn maze and you're getting exasperated and exhausted because you can't find the way out. And then all of a sudden it catches your eye and you, at the last possible moment of exhaustion you get out. And all the time, the, the way of escape has been there the whole time. Same way with temptation. Before the temptation comes, there's a way of escape. Always. Satan will always, always have a way in for indulgence, but God always has a way out by endurance. That's what the Bible says, that you'll be able to endure it, verse 13, that you may be able to endure it. So Satan only cares about your indulgence in sin where God cares about your endurance over sin. And you don't have to give in to every single solitary sin. How how do I not do that? The Word of God helps us escape. What What was Jesus's weapon to overthrow Satan in the wilderness? It is written. It is written. It is written. It's the same weapon you have. It's the same weapon. It's right here. The same weapon. The Spirit of God is a way out. Walk in the Spirit and listen to this. I mean, this is listen to this. This is simple. It's the truth. Listen, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a way out. And even in that moment of temptation, there's going to be a way out. Even if you get to that moment and you're being tempted, there'll be either a thought that passes through your mind, and you better grab it when it comes through, Or maybe somebody like your accountability partner may send you a text right at the moment when you're about to give in to the temptation. I mean, there's always going to be a way out. And when you see it, you flee immediately. Run like Joseph and get out of there. E.C. McKenzie said it like this. Few speed records are broken when people run from temptation. Another said, I'm willing to flee from temptation if I can leave a forwarding address. Don't leave a forwarding address, just get out of there. You don't have to give in to sin. So let me break this down for you. How do we win over sin? How does the Bible tell us we do this? Well, here's my translation of that. Is that you don't have to give in to sin. There's a way of escape. Don't give up on the Savior. Get over yourself, get out of your own way. You're not a sinner because you sin You sin because we are sinners We don't have to sin every time it comes along So here's our takeaway God never fails And is always faithful God will never fail you And he's always faithful You've been let down by your spouse And you've let your spouse down You've been let down by your family You've let them down You've been let down by the church You've let the church down But God will never let you down He is always faithful Always faithful So stop listening to what the devil says and put your faith and trust in the one who is faithful. Put your faith in Jesus. Now if you've done that, how do I I overcome sin? Well, first thing you need to do is pray. You need to pray. Jesus told Peter, pray. I'm praying for you, you pray. Keep praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Lead us not into temptation. Don't stop praying. Submit to God. You submit to God, you resist the devil. He'll flee from you. So submit. Be obedient to the Lord. Submit to Him. Stick to the Word. Jesus overcame by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Stick to the Word. And then be in church. Be at church. Be the church. You need community. You need accountability. Do not forsake the assembling. Don't forsake it, but encourage one another as long as the day draws near. So how do we win over sin? Journal through a scripture search and experience quite the transformation. Find a place to perch and pray to the God of all creation. Attend the local church and fall in line with other believers in a tight formation. Community and accountability, get in there. Get your hands dirty. See, God never fails, and He's always faithful. Do you know God's answer to the the question of fear? Because we're all gripped with fear. Every one of us is gripped with fear. Here's God's answer. You are not alone. You know God's answer to the the question of guilt, because we're all gripped with guilt. We're carrying guilt. Every one of us is carrying guilt. You You know God's answer to that? The question of guilt? You are forgiven. That's the answer. What's God's answer to the, to, to, the, to the problem of temptation? There's always a way out. There's always a way out. Why? Because God never fails and he's always faithful. You know there is a way to avoid adultery? Do you know that? There is. There is a way to tell Beelzebub to beat it. There is. There is a way to cancel cancel culture. There is There's a way to not defeat or delete the devil, but there is a way to defeat the devil. Now, one day he'll be eternally defeated when he's thrown into the lake of fire, but right now, and he'll be deleted in the lake of fire, but right now there is a way for you to defeat the devil in and through the power of our resurrected Savior. There, there is a way to not erase evil. We're never going to erase it, but we can escape evil. There is a way to be filled up with gallons of faith, and it don't cost over $3 a gallon. There is a way. There is a way to... To not crave the grave, but to cry out for grace. Not to be like the Israelites saying, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt and we want to be outside of God's will. and We want to be outside of God's will. No, there's a way to cry out for grace and mercy. There is a way to, to not make it easy to go to heaven, easy believism, but there's a way to make it hard to go to hell. There is a way. There's a way to not idolize me, myself, and I. There is a way to not joke about Judgment Day, but to juke Judgment Day. Jesus allows you and me and anyone who puts their faith in Him to juke Judgment Day. There is a way to not kick it with the king of hell, but to kick it with the king of heaven. Why? Because God is faithful and He never fails. There's a way not to lose the lust. There's a way to not miss it in marriage, but make it in marriage. There's a way to one-up the evil one. There is a way to not be pierced by the darkness, but to pierce the darkness. There's a way to not revisit the devil and revisit the devil and revisit the devil, but there's a way to resist the devil. You can resist. Why? Because God never fails, and he's always faithful. There's a way to not tackle Tennessee's titan. that Derek Henry, you ain't going to tackle that titan. But there is a way to tackle the tempter's temptation. There is. There is a way to not give in to sin. There is a way to not give up on the savior. There is a way to get over yourself and get out of your own way. There's a way to win over sin. Father we-